Have you been wanting to make healthier foods for your family, but you're just afraid to try because you know there are going to be kids that are going to push that food away and you don't want to fight? Well, if that's happened to you, you need to listen to this podcast. My guest is Autumn Michaelis. She's a self-taught recipe creative. She has five boys and she's Whole 30s coaching manager and a certified coach. She loves making budget-friendly meals and no-fuss recipes, and she has seven in her family who have eaten paleo-ish since 2017. And she shares this on her blog, Whole Food for Seven. She has a BS in exercise physiology from BYU and decided to focus on food because she realized how significantly it can change a person's health. All right, let's jump into my interview with Autumn Michaelis. Well, my guest today is Autumn Michaelis, and we're going to be talking about whole foods and feeding your family very well. Autumn, thanks for joining the show. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Sure. Now, there's some in our audience who are not familiar with whole foods. So can you tell us what the difference between whole foods are and regular foods? Sure. So the idea is getting back as close to nature as we can. I mean, being grateful for modern technology that allows us some of the conveniences we have, but that when you pick up a food, whether it's packaged or literally just, you know, the, the most simple whole foods would be you walk into the produce department, a carrot doesn't need a label. It is a whole food. That is all, right. that's all it is. It's carrots. Um, but even if it's more packaged foods, that at least the ingredients are foods that you recognize. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes you pick up food and there's a list of 30 ingredients and you can't pronounce most of them. You'd have to Google them even to know what they are. And so trying to get to as closer back to whole foods as we can, that less processed, more recognizable foods um, has made a big difference for our family. So natural. Mm -hmm. So you're, you don't mean whole grains. What's the difference between whole and natural? Sure. I mean, they're, they're very similar. My cookbook specifically is gluten-free, dairy-free, so you won't find a lot of grains per se in there. For me, when I say whole food, I mean, yes, natural, as minimally processed as possible, that it's, you know, that if it is an ingredient in something else, it's still recognizable. It's still carrots versus monoglucosodiumate, you know, like it's things you'd recognize. Um, I once heard it explained to me that if your grandma picked up what you're eating, would they, or your great grandma, or your great, great grandma, would they recognize what it is? Would they recognize mm -hmm. the ingredients? Would they understand like, oh yeah, that's carrots and broth and parsley and celery in that soup. That makes total sense versus 50 ingredients that you really would have to have like a science degree to understand what they even are. Right. So no mac and cheese with bright orange um, powdered cheese. <laughs> my kids grew. My, yeah, I'd say my kids grew up on it. So I totally get my kids. Uh, we made this shift five years ago. They did. Mm -hmm. They grew up eating what I call the standard American diet. A lot of packaged mm -hmm. foods. Absolutely, that bright orange cheese. Um, a lot of goldfish, granola bars, like just easy and fast. I have five boys, and mm -hmm. it felt really overwhelming to eat more whole foods because that sounded complicated. It sounded like I'd have to be in the kitchen all day. It sounded expensive. And so uh, we just got what we could grab easily at the grocery store. And so, yeah, my kids grew up on that. And that I understand that that's convenient and easy and straightforward. And it can be hard as a parent to know how to do any better or feel like you have capacity mm -hmm. to do any better, especially I had, I had five boys. I call them Meg, my walking stomachs. 
They are, (laughs) almost all of them are over six feet tall. They eat me out of house and home. So I understand that feeding Mm -hmm. our kids is not as simple as it should be. Like it feels really intimidating and confusing. Well, you know, it does feel intimidating. Now I've been a vegetarian. I did it for over a year and then I went back to meat because I just like it and everybody in our family eats meat. And I do think I felt better. But when I read Whole Foods, okay, I can get that. But then you talk about dairy-free and gluten-free. My initial reaction is, I can't do that. I don't even know what gluten-free is. I mean, I know in my head, but I don't know how to cook it. So talk to us about why you went whole food, dairy-free, and gluten-free. Because you could have just stuck to whole foods in your cookbooks, sure. right? Absolutely, yes. Because as you were saying, grains could be considered whole food, um, though they don't show up in my cookbook. So for me, it started with a Whole30. It's a 30-day self-experiment of one where you pull out foods that could be inflammatory for your body, everything from grains, gluten, dairy, sugar, um, Reset for 30 days and then systematically bring them back in one at a time to see how your body responds. And my body personally did a whole lot better without gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. Everything from my adult acne that I'd struggled with for 20 years was finally better. I could get off my harsh acne medications, my sleep, my mood, my seasonal allergies. Like I sounded like a bad infomercial. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my husband and I ate what we call paleo-ish. So Mm gluten-free, dairy-free refined sugar-free, mostly grain-free. And we saw tremendous benefits from it. It helped his mental health. It helped our sleep. Like all those things improved, but our kids were still eating a standard American diet. And I was in this weird space Mm -hmm. of, I know the benefits of eating this way for me personally, but I have, I don't, I don't know that I have the energy to extend that to my boys. And so I was Mm -hmm. in a, in a space for about a year where I felt like I was still giving my kids a lot of packaged, highly processed foods, even though I was nourishing myself a whole lot better. And I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any shame in putting your own oxygen mask on first. I had to figure out my relationship with food before I could change my family's. But finally, it got to the point where there was just, it was time. And so we did change. Um, We did the same self-experiment with them. It wasn't a whole 30. um, We, but we did for 30 days. We took out gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. Just to see, just out of curiosity, could this help my kids? And we mm-hmm. got them on board. We explained to them the why, because I didn't want to be that mom that says, we're going to eat this way or or else, right. you know. So we got them on board, explained what benefits, let's, said, let's just try it for 30 days. Let's see. And mm-hmm. to be honest, part of that was for me, like, could I keep up with that for 30 days? Could I, right. was I going to be cooking a lot or um, it just sounded overwhelming? So we tried it for 30 days and... Um, Surprisingly, nobody was complaining. We had a lot of uh, delicious food, and that's a big part of what my book is about, is if you're thinking gluten-free or dairy-free or refined sugar-free could help you or your family, um, here's a really approachable resource for you. Mm -hmm. Around day 40, I checked in with my kids, and I was blown away. Like My oldest son, everything from his acne had improved, his sports performance had improved. He ran his fastest mile in cross-country. Um, my second son was finally sleeping through the night. He's He was not young. He was 11 years old, but still struggled with some sleep issues. But the mm-hmm. biggest one was my then seven-year-old. He was a very spirited kid. He had a lot of really mm-hmm. big emotions, a lot of over-the-top fits, like all the time. I felt like a bad parent because I didn't know how to help him. Um, we'd had a doctor recommend maybe ADHD medication, but he was seven. I didn't feel yeah. personally comfortable putting him on medication at age seven. His mm-hmm 
mood was night and day different. Like his emotions were so even keel. And I asked him, you know, what do you think of this? Do you think we should keep doing this? Um, what What's your thoughts? And he said, mom, I can finally be me. And it wow. just like teared me up that he felt he could finally yeah. be himself. Like he wow. saw it at age seven and the brothers saw it too. They're like, wow, our house is so much calmer. This brother mm-hmm. is, you know, so less, yells less. I mean, you couldn't pay good money for that. Like the mood of our family changed no. so much from him being able to handle his emotions that I said, okay, okay, I'm in, mm-hmm. we're doing this. Um, but then the big, next big question was how can we afford it? <laughs> and that's right. that's a lot right. about what my cookbook comes in because that's, especially now, right. that's a and big question. And you're talking about budget. So I'm, I'm intrigued because of course the pediatrician, I see a lot of kids who come in, even you know seven, eight, nine years old, who the teacher said they're just bouncy, bouncy, they can't pay attention. And the parents say, I can't deal with this kid around the house. So did your son, was he, was he just hyperactive or was he just sort of emotionally volatile or both? He was a little bit of both. Yeah, he was both. Um, spirited is kind of my nice term for it. But um, if anything went wrong, like even in the slightest, you felt like you had to tiptoe, walk on eggshells around him yeah, because anything yeah. went wrong, there was a lot of screaming. Like if he was okay, upset, yeah. like the whole house heard it. And then same, like he just couldn't focus very well. Um, yeah. And it's interesting still to this day. So we changed what we eat in our home. We were gluten-free, dairy-free, refined, sugar-free in our house. Um, it's their choice outside the home because there's no way I could police that 24-7, right. especially as my kids get older. So every once in yeah. a while, he'll have something at school like – you know, one of those big giant cupcakes with lots of frosting, gluten, dairy, sugar, Everything. artificial dyes, yep. all the things. When he comes home, I can tell. Like, and we've had oh. conversations about it. Just like, hey, buddy, it seems like you're having a hard time making good choices tonight. Any idea why? And he'll pause. He'll be like, well, I did have that cupcake today in sixth period. And, you know, so we just make the connections. We're not here to demonize food yeah. at all, but just help mm-hmm. him understand that food might affect his behavior and he might want to decide how often that's you know, worth it for him. Right. You know, and just as a sort of a side note, I think it's really important for parents um, with kids in school to come together and say, you know what, whenever there's a child's birthday or this kind of thing, you know, let's try not to bring in chocolate chip cookies and donuts and cupcakes. Because if you have a big class, kids are eating that all the time. And that's, you know, I'm a healthy eater and we did well in our family, but I mean, I didn't do whole food things. But that was always a frustration because I feel like kids sort of get sabotaged by other kids or other kids' parents. And I know somebody, well, it's my son's birthday. He only has it once a year, so I'm going to bring in this. Yeah, but there are 30 other kids who have birthdays. And so um, that's just sort of my pitch to teachers and parents out there. You know, whenever you have a special event and you're going to bring some snack in for the other kids, please make it friendlier and healthier. And you do that in your book, I mean, which is awesome. So so let's talk about your book. You say simple budget-friendly meals. So what are the reasons for people saying, oh, I can't eat that, it's because I don't have enough money and it costs a whole lot money, more money to buy veggies than chips. So address that for us. For sure. It unfortunately feels like you have to be almost in a member of this exclusive club to eat healthy. And Mm -hmm. what it looks like is you have to shop at certain stores. You have to buy all organic, grass-fed, free range. You have to like meal prep. It just feels like it's this whole package thing that if you're a healthy person, you have to um, be. And I'm I'm here to push against that. We shop at Walmart and Mm -hmm. um, we can't always afford grass-fed 
organic free range. And though I will agree, that's absolutely ideal. If, if mm-hmm. it's in your budget, that's going to help your health and um, support our planet better. And also, you should still be proud of a home-cooked meal with chicken breast you bought at Walmart. Um, mm-hmm. So there's absolutely um, benefit to doing your best and letting good enough be good enough. Um, because it does feel like healthy is unapproachable. So I tried really hard in my cookbook and on my platform to make it feel approachable, meaning let's use ingredients you can find at most grocery stores. All the ingredients in my cookbook I can find at my local Northern California Walmart. Um, Let's find power in things like frozen vegetables that still have just as much nutritional benefit, sometimes a little bit more because they're frozen at peak freshness. Um, Let's use dried spices instead of fresh if fresh spices aren't accessible to you. Like just making it feel, my goal is when you open my cookbook or come to my blog, that you say, I could do this. Like these are Mm -hmm. ingredients I recognize that I could find at my grocery store. You know, minimal ingredients, not a long list, minimal steps. It just feels like this is realistic Um, because it does. It feels like you have to drop your whole paycheck on groceries and then spend hours in the kitchen to be a healthy person with healthy habits. And I, I just don't think that's true. I love it. I love it. And, you know, your cookbook's fabulous, too. I, I really, it's Thank pretty, <laughs> but, it, but it also has some fabulous recipes. And that's what I like about it, because, you know, when you even hear the words whole foods, you think that I need to go to whole mar- mm-hmm. or whole foods market or whatever that yeah. is. Yeah, whole foods and spend a whole paycheck. Well, exactly, exactly. Right. Or, or to organic stores. And we have all of those around here. And sometimes I shop. But I agree with you. I mean, Walmart meats are pretty good. And Walmart veggies are pretty good. You know, and, and you really can find affordable, fresh great produce and meats at at a lot of these places so when you started this with your boys so you didn't get much pushback because you explained to them why you're doing it and then shortly after they were eating it they all felt better or did just a few of them feel better they all saw something so and that was my point with having one-on-one conversations with them was how is this working and i i tried to be very open-minded if they if they told me Mm -hmm. i hate this I hate what we're eating. Like I was there to hear, honestly hear. And I think that's important that um, I didn't set up the stage of there was a right answer. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them, honestly, all of them um, saw health changes, whether it was their acne, their sleep, their moods, their energy. Um, and then I worked really, really hard to build a, a new vocabulary of food. Um, my second son, who's a foodie, even said, Mom, this is great. We have more options for lunch than we ever had before. Like it's not just peanut butter and jelly for lunch because I'd worked hard to create a vocabulary. And again, that's what I hope my cookbook can do, that it creates this vocabulary of approachable, family-friendly foods that your kids be like, okay, yeah, I could eat that. Like that doesn't look that different from what I'm already eating, but it's made with ingredients that are more whole food based so that it's less intimidating. But yeah, we never had a ton of pushback and I had some teenagers in there. They will occasionally say, you know, oh, remember when we used to eat this? And so I hold space for that. But um, for the most part, we've worked really hard. Parents, I hope you're getting as much out of this as I am. I need to take a short break, but when I return, I'm gonna dive right back into my interview with Autumn. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guest is Autumn Michaelis, and she's talking to us about the importance of fueling our families with nutritious food. 
do you ever break the, I don't want to say diets, but do you ever break what you're doing as far as choosing foods and just have cupcakes or have candy bars? Or do you find that people just don't want them anymore? You know, I find, like you were saying, unfortunately, they get enough of that opportunity outside the home. As a society, we reward way too much with food and treats. So in the home, I do stay pretty strict, gluten-free, dairy-free. And again, not to make it, I don't think food should be a religion. It shouldn't be something that you, you know, feel like you can never go outside of that box. It's just how we feel the best. I just don't feel great when I eat gluten or dairy. And there's so many resources now that it's it's become very possible for us. But outside the home, there's definitely times when my kids might see a donut and eat a donut and that's absolutely their choice so right now how do your kids get calcium if you don't give them dairy you know it's interesting if you pull up the amount of calcium in some of the fruits and vegetables it's way higher than you'd ever thought like broccoli and some of these vegetables have a high amount of calcium Um, because you're right we drink mostly almond milk so there's not a lot of calcium in the milk we drink but it's been shocking how much there is no macro or micronutrient that you can't find in vegetables outside of protein, of course. And so okay. you can find a lot of them in your fruits and vegetables, and they're very well absorbed through the fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables. So, again, just going back to whole foods that um, have that naturally in them, um, and that's how, like, a lot of vegetarians and stuff get their calcium as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, almond milk, some of the other milk, almond milk, I think is – the ones we buy are calcium fortified and actually have more calcium in there than cow's milk. Um, so I think if you read labels, you really will find a lot of nutrients and vitamins in a lot of the um, the other foods. Talk to us about some of your favorite recipes or kids and give us a sense of what's in them, how much they cost, and about and how long it takes you to make them so that people can have an idea of you know budget and then also it's not going to take you an hour and a half to make dinner unless it does no. <laughs> but yeah i yeah. 52% of the recipes in my cookbook can be made in 30 minutes or less because that's my life like we are mm-hmm. i work full time and then often only have a half an hour to get dinner on the table before somebody needs to go to volleyball or soccer or band or whatever so i again i tried to keep it really realistic that for the most part, weeknights, it's a 30-minute meal. Sometimes on the weekend, I have fun. Um, I enjoy being in the kitchen and creating. And so sometimes we'll have a longer, nicer meal for like a Friday date night in. Um, but usually during the week. And I have my meal prep method of choice is called make something extra. So anytime I'm in the kitchen, I make something else. So if I'm already making dinner, instead of scrolling Instagram while I'm something simmering, I will put together something for breakfast the next morning um, because I'm not a big fan of the spend four hours on the weekend bulk prepping for the entire week. It made me grumpy. I didn't want to give up my weekend doing that. And so anytime I'm in the kitchen, I make something extra. I probably make dinner four to five nights a week. I make breakfast maybe three times a week. I always double batch. Um, 80% of the recipes in my cookbook can be frozen because if you know you like something and it freezes well, make two make a double batch, it rarely takes that much more time and then freeze the extra. So really trying to use those tips and hacks that can make it feel sustainable. Because if it's not sustainable, you'll do this for a couple weeks and then say, I can't do that. I tried eating healthy. It just, I don't have time for that. Right. As far as cost. So I did the numbers and obviously I can't tell you how much things cost in your area. Um, But I did do the numbers. Uh, My dad's a chemical engineer. So full on busted out the spreadsheet and did the numbers Mm. for all the entrees in my cookbook. And more than half of them can be made for under $2 per serving, so $2 per person. Uh 
and then all of them can be made for five dollars or less per serving. I mean, you can't you can't eat out anywhere for that. No, no. So no. really tried to make them approachable again using ingredients that are accessible, um, affordable to make this feel again like you could do this long term. Yeah. Yeah. And you can. And I think, um, you know, there are a lot of whole food cookbooks out there, but the, the, um, is it the whole food 30, the whole 30, the whole 30. Had you done that before you'd um, written your own cookbook? Yes. So, uh, I did a whole 30 probably about 10 years ago. And that was kind of the first self experiment that got me thinking about how food affects us because my background's in exercise. I have, I'm a certified mm-hmm. exercise physiologist. I worked in the gyms. And so I thought to be healthy, you just worked out really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did a Whole30 and realized how much food affected my health. And it, it shocked me. Like, I just couldn't believe how many things changed when I changed my food. Was it hard to follow? Um, there's the a lot of... time re- round? The, I will say the first attempt, I, didn't su- I wasn't successful because I didn't do any preparation. You do have to, okay. like do some preparation, whole30.com. It's shocking how much free information they have on their website, shopping guides, meal plans, meal templates, recipes. I just thought I could for 30 days not eat gluten, dairy, refined sugar, you know, all those Mm -hmm. things. Unfortunately, America, we don't eat that way. So it does take some preparation, um, but there's so many resources out there that once the second attempt I used them, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, it will tap into your relationship with food. I'm a recovering sugar addict and it definitely made me look straight in the eyes of my sugar dragon and realize I was using food for a whole lot more than food. So it does peel back some layers, but for me it was really empowering and an important part of my journey. Well, you just described me because (laughs) what what happened when I was doing my residency um, at a very busy pediatric hospital and we worked really, really, really long hours and often I didn't have time to eat a meal, but I discovered that if I ate little pieces of candy, bitto honeys, fireballs, you know, those little, it would um, assuage my hunger and I could just keep going. Well, that set up a really bad habit for me. I like fasting. But sometimes what'll happen is I'll get hungry during my fast and I'll just pop a couple bitto honeys in there. So I, I think it tricks you. Did it take you a long time to get off that sugar? Because my fear, honestly, if I were to follow a whole 30 diet or take your cookbook and and for 30 days cook only out of your cookbook, I would just be hungry and I would miss my sugar and Talk to me a, a, a little bit about that, because I think that a lot of people have struggles in their relationships with food. For sure. Um, I will say that the goal of Whole30 is to do it for 30 days. So it's a 30-day self-experiment. So the goal is not to eat that way long term. Um, and also the goal is not to be hungry. So unfortunately, a lot of times people associate Whole30 with a diet where Right. You're winning if you eat less because you're trying to be less of in size. And um, Whole30 taught me to build my plate in a way that I didn't grow up with, including healthy fats and a plate full of vegetables. And it just really shifted the way I nourished myself. And suddenly I was like my blood sugar was way more even between meals because I was eating more healthy fats. I was eating more fiber. Um, and so the cravings went down because I think a lot of what we don't realize with cravings is that it's it's your blood sugar roller coaster. It's that you had a hit, you had, you know, a bit of honey, you had a treat and your blood sugar goes up and then it comes crashing down mm-hmm. and that up and down just leads you to more cravings. And so I was setting mm-hmm. myself up for failure with the way I was nourishing my body. And so Whole30 kind of taught me a new way of 
eating till I'm satiated, but making sure it's full of fiber and vegetables and healthy fats. And um, it just really evened out that. Um, I still had to address the times I was using food for things beyond food. Because even, Mm -hmm. you know, even on a Whole30, you could have the sweetest thing possible, like an RX bar or something that's just fruit and nuts. But if you're using it to satisfy a sugar craving, the cycle just continues. Your brain wanted something sweet, you gave it something sweet. So next time it's stressed, it wants something sweet again. So I had to dig into the the emotional relationship with food a little more. And that's probably a whole nother conversation, but it, it helped me have space for that. Um, well, I, I think one of the things that's toughest for a lot of people who, you know, have that emotional relationship with food is you don't feel in control. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that really bothers me. If I have a sugar craving and I give into it, I think, doggone it, food you're in control, but I want to be in control. And I think one of the greatest benefits to, um, you know, cooking out of your book is that you really are in charge of what you eat. It's not in charge of you. And I think sometimes we miss that. It's almost like alcohol is in charge of an alcoholic. You know, food can be in charge of people, whether you have a weight issue or whether you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a very important reason to cook you know, from your book. Um, We only have a few minutes left, but I still want to hear you. I want to be in your kitchen. It's nighttime. You have half an hour. Your kids are getting ready to run out the door and you're going to make dinner. So take us through one of the dinners that your kids like most. So I have a whole 30 minute meal section. So I recommend you turn to that. I'm going to open up one of my books here. Um, It's called Meals in a Snap. And to be honest, my kids enjoy all those meals in that section. Um, Mm -hmm. all of the recipes in my cookbook were kid tested and approved because if they weren't devouring, it didn't go in the book. Um, so probably one of their favorites from their, that section is an Italian toss and bake chicken. It's literally like a whole food version of shake and bake. I don't know if you remember that from the eighties and the nineties, but the idea that you cut up some chicken, you shake it in a breading and you bake it and then you serve it on top of whatever, Pasta-like thing works for you, whether that is cauliflower gnocchi from Trader Joe's, whether that's zoodles that are just zucchini, you know, spiralized, whether that's gluten-free pasta or regular pasta, whatever works for you, um, mm-hmm. and some marinara sauce, and boom, in 20 minutes, you have dinner. And the goal is that it shouldn't be rocket science to be mm-hmm. able to get dinner quickly on the table. And that's pretty simple. Do you make your own marinara or do you buy it? I usually buy it. I do have a recipe in the book if you want to make it from scratch. Um, You Mm -hmm. absolutely can do because unfortunately, there's sugar in everything. So sometimes it can be Mm -hmm. hard to find a marinara that doesn't have sugar in it. Um, So there's a recipe in the book if you want to make it from scratch. But you don't have to make everything from scratch to be a healthy person with healthy habits. Um, It just kind of depends on your accessibility, your budget and your time. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you went through that because that's a really that recipe is a really easy thing to mm-hmm. do, and a lot of your recipes are really easy. And again, I'm trying to break down um, stereotypes that people may have in their mind that a it's too expensive, b it takes too long to make, and c nobody's really going to like it anyway. Right. But who would who wouldn't like that chicken? I mean, you know, it makes me hungry right now. So. Anyway, well, Autumn, this has been wonderful. I really, really appreciate your time and coming on. And I really encourage parents of any child because 
as a pediatrician, I really want to say to you parents, please change the way, or at least try to change the way you're feeding your kids. Because Autumn's absolutely right. It changes kids' moods. It changes their behavior. Uh, it changes their sleep. And if you can make one or two or three of those changes in your kids, life is so much better. Um, your book, Whole Food for Your Family, 100 Simple Budget-Friendly Meals, and it's Autumn Michaelis. I hope your book just hits the New York Times bestseller list because it should. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> Thanks you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Autumn Michaelis. Let's go over my points to ponder. One, make dietary changes for the entire family. Many kids are picky and they reject certain foods, particularly those that are healthy for them. And that's why it's important to make any dietary changes apply to the whole family and have everyone eat the same thing. This helps kids feel less targeted when it comes to being healthier. And they're therefore far more likely to be compliant. Two, involve kids in meal prep. Getting kids excited about cooking helps them be more willing to try new foods. If you simply hand them a plate of food that looks unfamiliar or weird, they won't eat it. But if they're involved in buying the foods and preparing them, they'll feel more invested and will therefore be much more compliant. Three, avoid being a short order cook. If you've committed to make sure that your family will eat healthier foods, then serve everyone the same meal. If every child is required to eat the same food as everyone else at the table, they'll eventually come around and eat what everyone else eats. Also, it just isn't fair to you, the cook, to indulge your kids with other meal options and make far too much work for yourself. I want to thank my special guest, Autumn Michaelis. I want to strongly encourage you to check out her book, Whole Food for Your Family, 100 Plus Simple Budget-Friendly Meals. You can find free recipes on Autumn's blog and order a copy of a recipe book when you visit wholefoodfor7.com. That's wholefood for and the number 7.com. Now let's go over my points to ponder. One, make dietary changes for the entire family. Two, involve kids in meal prep. And three, avoid being a short order cook. And parents, remember, if you need help or encouragement or answers to any questions about your kids or your relationships with them, go to meekerparenting.com. I have courses, tips, blogs, and more to help you. And if you know a dad who needs encouragement while you're there, check out my brand new Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters Masterclass. And always remember, great kids are raised, not born.